This is the Transcend Human Podcast, a show where we discuss how to navigate the highs and lows of the human condition. Each week, we address a new topic, and we see that there are two choices we can make. We can lower the bar, go with the flow, and react to what the world throws at us, or we can be proactive, deciding in advance how we want to live, and in essence, rise above the human condition. We hope the discussion today is just what you need for the week ahead. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Great to have you here. We are in the middle of a series called Transcendent Parenting. So for those of you following along, we are in week five And for those of you just joining us, um, here's where we've been so far. So week one, we talked about strong marriages and how that impacts having kids and parenting. Uh, Week two, we talked about parenting being not optional. So parenting being a high calling that you and I have all been called to. Week three, we went through the stages. So looking at some of the developmental stages our kids go through from infant to an adult and how that impacts us as parents. And then week four, last week, we talked about a parenting plan of attack. So how to be proactive versus reactive um, with our kids and with our parenting. So today, we are asking you to sell your helicopter. What would it look like to stop being a helicopter parent? And joining me again is my wife, Tammy. Welcome back. Thanks. It's always fun to be here. Awesome. Okay. So minute of parenting transparency. Um, before we even define what a helicopter parent is or, or kind of go into all that stuff, um, let's just talk a little bit about being overbearing because I think we'll we'll probably understand or come to see that helicopter parents are a little overbearing. So let's just talk high level and and talk about examples where we may have been overbearing with our kids. What do you think? Yeah, it's hard to like, you know, you don't ever want to think about like those times, right? (laughs) It's, it's easy to think back and remember like, oh, we did, we, we never did that. We weren't overbearing. I'm sure that we weren't, um, we weren't overbearing, but there's definitely times that, uh, we did things. I mean, so I like some of the things I can think of is, you know, you tell your kids like, or that, you know, there's a school project, right. That's coming up. I can think of several times where, you know, there'd be like this school project coming up and the kids would like wait until the very last minute to do it. And then like, we would kind of step in and help and take over. And cause we just wanted it to get done. Right. It's just like, well, you have, this is due tomorrow. What that, like, what the heck? And so, you know, we step well, it was in two things. We wanted it to get done, but we also probably had that like you're not going to do it very well. Like we need to help you to, so it looks really good. Right. Right. Like, because that's what parents did. Right. <laughs> at least at the schools our kids went to. Right. It felt like the parents were doing the projects. Yeah. And so we were trying to like not do too much, but at the same time, I'm sure we did more than we should have. Yeah. Yeah. Like helping guiding them or even at times being like, Oh, well, why don't you just write this sentence here, that sentence there, or, <laughs> you know, um, or think or things like that. Yeah. So that's definitely like, and I mean, even for them, like the last minuteness of it, it's just, you know, like I look back now and I'm like, we should have just been like, well, stinks to be you, doesn't it? Like, you guess you didn't get that poster board, ask for that poster board on time. Like, guess that means you don't do your project. I don't know. Not my problem. Like, you know, but 
no, it would be the last minute. Oh, I need this. And we'd run out and we'd do it and we'd help. And, you know, uh, all of that. I, all of that. And like science projects, I think, or or like science fair and that Mm -hmm. kind of crap. Like I think back about that and how much we hated it, but how much we did like, I forgot about all those things. Right. Right. Yeah. Selective memory. (laughs) I know. It's the stuff you like push out of your brain because you're like, Oh my gosh. A you look back now and you're like, why? Like why, why did I care so much? Why did I do it? Wasn't my issue. Wasn't my project. Wasn't my grade. I shouldn't have cared, but like you do in the middle of it for some reason. Um, I think it's partly growing as a parent, right? And partly watching other people and yeah, just learning like, wow, that, yeah, that just, it wasn't something I needed to do. So. True, true. Yeah. I think for me, I, like I look back and I can see when my kids were younger, you know, toddlers in elementary to where I was probably a bit overbearing just because I think I have that side of me that's like, everything needs to be in order and I'm a perfectionist. And so I think that kind of wore off in just following kids around, watching what they were doing, making sure they didn't get hurt, you know, making sure they weren't doing something that, you know, could potentially break something or, or whatever. And af- after a while, after you do that too much, it just becomes overbearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was probably a lot of that, that I could have just let them be kids and just not been so concerned about it. Yeah. Though I think as they got older, I think uh, you probably did better with that. And I mean, I I literally just was sitting here thinking of, I don't remember where we were at. I think it might've been when we first moved to California. I can't remember, but we went on a hike somewhere. I don't know if you remember this. Maybe we were on a vacation, but we went on this hike and we're hiking along and we come across this log that had fallen like across, you know, it was like from one side to like the other side of this chasm in my brain, right? Like, you know, you look down and it's like so far down, but there, this huge log had fallen across and our kids are natural. All three of them are like, you put something in front of them to climb and they will all do it and they all want to do it. It's like, they look at it and they're like, let's just go. We don't, we have, I mean, one might be a little, like she's might stand back a little in weight, but she's going to go like, so so they like got up on this big tree log and I'm like looking down and I'm like, uh, I don't, I'm like, nope, nope, we're not going to do that. You're not, you're not walking across that. Like, and they just all were like, mom, are you kidding me? And they were all older. I mean, they weren't like, they weren't, you know, uh, teenagers, adults, but they were, teen. yeah. I mean, they I were know. like preteen teenagers at the time. And I was mm-hmm. like, nope, you could fall. You could. And <laughs> I remember you looking at me and being like, really, really? We're, you're where we're not going to let them, like, we're going to be worried that they're going to fall. Like, and we're just, we're just not going to let them do things like that because we're going to worry that they might fall and hurt themselves. Like, and I just remember standing there and being like, okay, fine, whatever, just go. And I just turned around and just didn't watch. So that's how I would sometimes (laughs) handle it on my own. I mean, there were moments where I can remember Tyler as a little kid. Literally, we had a driveway um, at our house in Indiana that kind of it went it was uh, it was a little bit on like not on a hill, but a little bit of an angle. Like, you know, it wasn't just like this Mm. flat, straight driveway. You kind of had to drive up it a little bit to get into our garage. And he would get on a skateboard, lay on his stomach and ride down the driveway face first on his stomach on a skateboard as like a little like four year old. And everything in me was like, we're not going to do that. You are literally going to break your face like I, I 
We're not going to do that. And then finally I was like, oh, well, literally I would turn around and just not watch. Like, (laughs) so that was my coping mechanism as a parent. Like, we're just going to turn around and we're just going to pretend like it's not happening and I'll deal with the consequences (laughs) if something does happen. So, so yeah, there's, I mean, definitely moments. So you might've been like that before, but definitely like, I think as they got older, a lot of that went away for you. So shared responsibility throughout the years. Yes. Yes. There you go. There you go. Got it. All right. Well, there's some stories for sure. Um, So today's topic, sell your helicopter. Um, We are going to walk through four things. First, we're going to define the whirly bird. Two, we're going to talk about that's not fair. Three, the travel sport dilemma. And four, find your balance. So number one, defining the whirly bird. So for most of you, you recognize that the term whirly bird is just a slang word for the word helicopter, which is our topic for today. And what we really want to do first is just define what does that mean to be a helicopter parent? I mean, I think we've all heard it, right? We've heard the phrase. We, we've probably even used it sometimes maybe on when we see other people um, and how they parent with their kids. But um, we found an article on parents.com called what is helicopter parenting? And here's some information on it from from that article. So the term helicopter parent was first used in 1969 in a book called Parents and Teenagers. Uh, It was actually a term that the teens um, who were interviewed used, and they they used the term when they felt that their parents were hovering um, over them like a helicopter. Uh, It became popular enough in 2011 to where it was added to the dictionary as an entry. And the article goes on to kind of explain, you know, some of the details of helicopter parenting. So it says that it's a style of parenting where parents are overly focused on their children. They typically take too much responsibility for their children's experiences and specifically for their successes or failures. Um, In toddlerhood, a helicopter parent might constantly shadow the child, always playing with and directing the behavior, basically allowing them zero time alone. Um, kind of what I was talking about, I think, with with the kids, you know, when I would kind of walk around and just watch them to make sure that they weren't, you know, trying to stick their fingers into outlets or <laughs> things like that, <laughs> I think. Um, but that's toddlers. Um, but really, helicopter parenting most often applies to kind of the older age kids, right? And parents who help their high school kids or college age kids with tasks that they're totally capable of doing themselves, Um, So things like, you know, calling a professor when they're in college about poor grades or, um, you know, arranging their class schedule or things like that. Things that, um, you know, the kid's old enough, they should be able to do it themselves, um, but the parents kind of step in and do it for them. So where does all this come from, right? Why is it so tempting for us as parents to fall into this kind of behavior? Well, the author lists four possible reasons. The first is a fear of dire consequences. So really fear and anxiety, you know, wanting everything to work out, wanting to make sure that there aren't any problems and really wanting your kids to live a problem-free life um, at the end of the day. Um, Number two is feelings of anxiety. So just generalized anxiety that basically leads you to attempt to control your kids because you think that, you know, my worry, if if I just take my worry and put it on them, then we'll keep bad things from happening. Um, and then number three, overcompensation. So living vicariously through our kids because we weren't successful at what it is that they're doing at their age. 
or we didn't have the opportunities that they have uh, when we were younger. And then finally, peer pressure. So this is totally, you know, seeing other parents um, and how they're raising their kids or seeing other parents who have kids who perform at a higher level than your kid and, and feeling this need to perform or you need to have your kids perform um, at the same level. So that was fascinating, you know, to me to hear some of those explanations and, you know, some of them bring back memories, memories of the way that we parented or some of the things that we fell into as well. Um, and then we found a couple more articles and these, these two are a little more fun. So we'll kind of walk through these. Um, I'll walk through one article and you can walk through the other, but the first is five signs that you are raised by a helicopter parent. So this is, you know, kind of looking at it the other way, right? Looking at your life, um, and, and trying to decide if your parents were helicopter parents. So sign number one, you have to call your mom or dad before making a decision. Uh, number two, you count your parents as some of your best friends. Three, you resent your parents for the gifts and support that they offer because they typically come with strings attached. Uh, number four, you feel incredibly anxious all the time. And number five, you're a perfectionist who is obsessed with credentials. Interesting, right? Yeah, those are good. I mean, I definitely like as I look at those and think about those, um, I think, you know, there are times when we do our kids are going to do some of these things and it makes sense, right? Like to call mom or dad before making a decision. Like, I think for me, it's the all or nothing. Like, right. Like, do you have to call your mom and dad every time before you make any decision? Like, yeah. oh, uh, I want to go to the beach this weekend. I have to call my mom and dad and see what they think of that. No, I don't know. <laughs> but like, you're going to make a big life decision. And sometimes because there's experience and there's wisdom there, you want to call and have that conversation, right? And that makes sense. Like, hey, I'm going to, you know, buy this house. What do you think of it? Now, I think it can go overboard, right? Where mm -hmm. the mom and dad then get involved and they walk around. Oh, I don't like this closet where it's at. And I don't like that this bedroom is facing the West instead of the East. Okay, that that to me then crosses the line into helicopter parenting. But, you know, to just talk through the pros and cons, big picture, right, mm -hmm. of it, like, can make total sense at times. So I think for me, it's taking those signs and, like, pushing them to the, like, extreme is like, okay, yeah, that's... That's yeah, and that's similar with number two about counting your parents as some of your best friends. Right. Because once once your kids are grown and they're adults, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being them being friends with them. Right. But I think this is referring to kids like adult children who literally hang out with their parents all the time, or think right. that they they have to be around their parents for some reason all the time. Right. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and one of the things I thought about. Um, as uh, you were reading like some of this stuff before, we were talking about some of this stuff before is I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. And maybe we can talk about this a little further down, but I think, I wonder if sometimes the reason that parents fall into this is that when you get, are in the throes of parenting, you know, the middle of the like, you know, every day, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, that the whole like, is this, are we ever getting anywhere? Like you can kind of tend to start to focus. You know, we talked that our very first episode, right? was about marriage and how important a strong marriage is. And kids can like yank on that, right? Like they can, like, they can yank on the, even a really strong marriage, they can yank on that. And I think a lot of parents tend to, they turn the focus so much to their kids that, and they kind of start to lose that relationship a little bit with their spouse. And so then it's like, they're trying to control, like they're trying so much focus is on their kids 
because they've lost focus with their spouse and aren't making time and priority for that, that they, it just kind of becomes like this helicopter thing that starts to happen because like, well, you know, you just feel like you need to grab hold, right. You know, so tight. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, just something I was thinking about, like, as we were kind of talking through that. So, okay. So I'm going to read to you seven signs that you might be a helicopter parent from web and webmd.com. And uh, let's think about that as I read this and see if you resonate with any of these things. Um, or if you're like, nope, not me. I don't do any of these things. Um, okay. <laughs> number one, you fight your child's battles. Uh, number two, you do their schoolwork for them. Huh. Daryl and I talked about that earlier, right? Like, yes, yes. We, I hate to admit it. There were moments that we did that. Um, three, you coach their coaches. Uh, if your kids are on teams, it doesn't matter if it's a sports team or a dance team or a debate team or, you know, anything where you there's somebody else that's leading and guiding them. Right. Could even be like you teach, you want to teach their teachers, right? Like, uh, so you keep number four, you keep your kids on a short leash. Number five, you are made in your own house. Oh, that literally <laughs> makes me, I just can't. Um, Number six, you play it too safe. I kind of told you a story about myself where sometimes I would tend to do that with our kids, right? Um, and seven, uh, you can't let them fail. That's Ouch. a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, all good things. So those two lists are kind of interesting, right? Like the first list was, were we as parents helicopter parented? And then the second list was, have we fallen into those same patterns mm-hmm. basically as our as we parent our kids? So so let's kind of talk through those a little bit more. So starting with the first list, which are the signs that we may have been <laughs> helicopter parented, um, do you see any of those indicators like in our lives? Like, do I feel like I was I was raised by a helicopter yeah. parent? Um, you know, I don't know. I think I have a little bit of a different situation because uh, I come from a divorced family and uh lived with my mom, you know, most of the time just did the every other weekend thing with my dad. And my mom was a single mom for a while and we didn't have a whole lot of money. And, um, I specifically remember, um, we lived in an apartment and she had to work. And so I had the responsibility to get up and get myself on the bus. Uh, she wasn't there to get my butt out of bed every morning and make sure, you know, um, I I can remember missing the bus one time and getting in big trouble. Um, because I missed the bus. Um, so I think a lot of times when you're raised by a single parent like that, like it, there's just not the time sometimes or mm, the, that the, you just can't, you know, it's hard. Um, but I can kind of like, I can look back and look at, uh, some of my siblings that were like, cause I'm the only from my two parents together. And then, like I said, they divorced, but they both got remarried and I can kind of look back and I can see different parenting which is funny. Um, right. So they get remarried and, uh, have a child then with their new spouse. And then, um, yeah, there's just different parenting. And (laughs) I love my brother to death. Uh, he's one of my favorite people on this planet and he is a dad now and an amazing dad, but oh my gosh, what I get, there's nine years in between us. Um, he's nine years younger than I am. And I would get so frustrated with my mom watching her parent him when I was, out of the house. So I was out of the house watching her parent him, you know, through like high school, basically like early junior high and into high school and being like, what, what the heck? Like, I don't, I don't understand this. Like this stuff, you didn't do any of this stuff with me. And like, you're ruling. I mean, she would, 
as like a senior in high school, she was still packing his bag for him to go to soccer tournaments. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, when does he get to do those things for him? Like, you would never do that stuff for me. Like, you'd be like, I'd pack it, figure it out. If you don't have it, you don't have it. Like, so I can, I mean, I can literally remember having so many discussions with her and, uh, think some of it might have been a boy mom thing and some of it was just different circumstances right like uh she had a different it was a different life for her raising him than it was yeah, like raising me didn't need to work at that time and was right. able to focus more right. on him and stuff like right. that so right true. yeah um and then I don't know for me like uh looking to to see like were we helicopter parents um there's, I mean, yeah, there's definitely, uh, I can look at myself on some of these and um, see that, that there's places that I, that I fell into this. Um, and it would, it, this would be an interesting question to ask our kids because I think our girls would say that we probably uh, do more for their brother than, or I do more for their brother than I do for that, that I did for them. Um, so um so, I mean, yes, there are definitely times that I will pick up after them when they are more than capable of picking up after themselves. Uh, and I just find myself doing it. And sometimes it's just out of my own, like, I want that done right now. You know, like, I want it done at this moment. And um, they don't want, they're not going to do it at that moment. And so then it's that, like, I can remember having this discussion with our oldest. And when she had chores that she would do, and I'd be like, okay, you know, these are the chores I want to, you know, they need to be done. And she'd be like, okay well, I'll get to them today. And I'm like, no, I want them done right now. She's like, why do you need them done right now? Like, <laughs> that's not my timetable. That's your timetable. Like, I I'll tell you, I'll get to them today, but I'm not going to do them right now, you know? And so it's like, well, why does it need to be on my timetable? Because I want it done now so I can check it off my list and I don't have to think about it again, right? So, um, yeah, so there's that. And and I, 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 I mean, there's, I'll save this story for when we get a little further and, talk about travel sports down at the bottom, but, um, but yeah, I have a story about that and definitely being a helicopter parent, um, in that way. But I can also look at some of these things and we can all see our own stories in it, but also, you know, you can see stories of other people, right? Like stories of friends or of acquaintances that you had and you watched kind of how they did some parenting and the ways, you know, that they helicopter parented and, I mean, the fight, I think the fighting of your kids' battles is a big one. I mean, there were moments that I would watch parents step in. Kids would get into arguments, right? There'd be like arguments between kids. Mm -hmm. And our theory was always like, we're not stepping in unless somebody is bleeding, dying, or I, those are pretty much it. Like, don't come and talk to me unless you're bleeding or you're somebody's about ready to die. Like, otherwise, figure it out. Like, we'd... I mean, there were moments, I'm sure, yes, that we're like, we can't handle it. We can't hand the, handle the fighting. We're done with the bickering. Like, and we would step in and get mad and get frustrated, right? And like, want to handle it. But when it was like amongst, most of the time, we tried to kind of just be like, it's your issue. You're going to handle it. Like, don't come and get us involved. But I would watch other people not do that with their kids. And their kids would come up crying and whining. And they, this person said this, and they called me this. And it's like, at, dude, at some point, like you got to let them take care of it because you're going to do that in high school. Like you're going to go talk to their friends in high school when somebody calls them a name, or are you going to give them the skills and the abilities to walk through that themselves and figure that out? And yet maybe they're going to get their feelings hurt. Don't we all like we've all gotten our feelings hurt at some point. And, you know, it's a good time then to have a conversation about, well, how did that make you feel? And do you ever do that on the, the other end of it? And is that how we want to treat people? Like, you know, so, but it's, it's funny if you kind of step back and look 
and look around you and, and watch how people parent. It's, we all, we all do it. It's all there <laughs> often. So true. What about you? What do you see? Um, so when I look at the list of the, you know, five signs I was raised by a helicopter parent, I would say the one that stands out to me is number five, that I was a, per- that I may be a perfectionist or that maybe perfectionistic ideas mm-hmm. and personalities where that came from. But I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like my parents were overly, you know, fighting my battles for me or doing any of that kind of stuff. So that's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of me being a helicopter parent, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think I, I don't think I tried to fight their battles most of the time. Definitely the schoolwork thing. I mean, I can remember still doing a, a science project where I felt like I was literally going down every day and checking these pieces of bread that were supposed to be molding <laughs> in the basement. Right. And she, she could care less, you know, but I'm going down there and taking the pictures every single day, you know, to document how much mold was growing on them. And that was fun. Um, coaching their coaches, definitely. I mean, I can still remember, you know, our kids coming home after games and me thinking that I, you know, was so intelligent and I could explain to them what they did wrong and, you know, and then having them say, well, but my coach told me not to do it that way. And then Mm -hmm. kind of realizing, oh, maybe I better shut my mouth because, you know, you start to realize that you're, you're not helping. You're just confusing them on some level. Um, definitely a made in my own house. Um, and then probably the last one, you can't let them fail that I struggle with that because I don't want my kids to fail. But at the same time, it's that whole trade off of if you don't let them fail, if you don't let them figure some of those things out for themselves, then um, you're just setting them up for failure, really, when they leave the house. So mm-hmm. it, it's interesting to think I was just like, I wonder if part of the reason, I wonder if people our generation, you know, us who have now kids that are high school and college age, I don't know that helicopter parenting was really a thing for our parents. I don't, I just don't, I don't really think it's something that like, like I, that generation. Yeah. I just don't think baby boomers. Yeah. I don't think that generation, it just wasn't something that they, you know, weren't, it, I feel like it's something that's really come along more so recently than it was um, back then, you know? And again, I mean, I think we can all, there's pieces of it, right? But like, I mean, you think now, like I think now and look at some of the stories we hear on the news about, you know, the college scandal, right? Where the parents were like doing all these things to get their kids into college. And it's like, I don't think our parents would have ever thought, I mean, I'm I, okay, I can't say that never happened, but looking at like my parents, your parents, parents I knew, I don't think that would have ever even been on their radar. Like it just. That's true. I mean, parents, parents who kind of came out of the great depression era and, you know, the baby boomers who had to work really hard just to make ends meet and all that kind of stuff. They, they probably didn't have the time to be helicopter parents and then their kids, you know, had life a little bit easier. It was all about the job and making money and making more money. And so, you know, you have this money to then spend on your kids to get them into travel sports and to do all these things. And mm-hmm. maybe you have a little bit more time in your hands to free it up to like oversee what they're doing. And mm-hmm. yeah, I can totally see how it, you know, could be a generational thing. Yeah. That's getting, yeah. that's I don't getting know. worse. <laughs> yeah. Just interesting to think about. So, yeah. And then the only other, the only other piece that really stands out to me is, is kind of, and, and maybe this is more to do with like the travel sports piece, at least for me, but, um, you know, taking responsibility for your, your kids' successes and failures, 
you know, when it comes to sports and you see them out there and they're doing something really well, you know, realizing that it's not because of me that they're doing really, really Mm -hmm. well. Or if they have a failure in sports, it's, it's not because of me. It's not because of something I did, you know, giving them back that control over their experience. And then the overcompensation piece, um, I can totally see how I fell into that just because I was a really athletic kid. I loved sports. I could play any sport that, that I wanted and did pretty well, but I never really had the opportunities that my kids have. Like I, I never got to play aside from baseball. I never really got to play like, you know, high level organized sports. And so when I kind of look back on that, I think, you know, I never got the opportunity. I never got to try to, to, to do that for a living. And then, you know, you have your kids in travel sports and it's like, that's the main goal, right? It's to get them a college scholarship. And then, you know, who knows, maybe they'll do this for the rest of their life. Um, and so it's, it's a little too easy, I think, to fall into that mindset. Um, at least for me, it was. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was just for you. Have you ever, no. ha, ha, Hey, Hey listeners, have you, uh, ever watched a travel sports game, like sat on the sidelines and watched the parents? You ever done that? If you haven't, I suggest you do. It's a really good exercise in looking at human behavior. Watch how the parents react. Watch what the parents do. Watch what the parents say. So even if you don't have kids in a (laughs) a travel sport, maybe just pick a Saturday. Right. (laughs) Go down to the soccer fields and just sit on the sidelines as if you're a parent. Right. And just just listen to what goes on. Just listen. Just listen. Keep your ears wide open and listen. It'll open your eyes to so many things. So (laughs) Ah, again, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, okay, number two, this is my favorite. Oh my gosh. This is like one of the things that I always told our kids that if you leave our house someday and you understand that Jesus loves you, that your mom and dad love you, and that life is not fair, I will have done my job. So those are kind of my three big things at, at while they were growing up, because how often I, I don't know about you guys. I don't know. But our kids, kids that we knew, I mean, I, I, I don't feel like it was just our kids. It was every kid on the planet I ever heard. Nieces, nephews, like kids in their schools. How often would you hear people say like, that's not fair? A kid say that's not fair. I mean, adults say it, too. Don't get me wrong. But um that's not fair. Well, that's that that's not fair. I didn't get to do that. That's not fair. And I don't like I to be honest, I really don't know where it came from, but fairness to me, it drove me crazy because I'm like life isn't fair. Figure it out. It's not fair. Um and it just wasn't a value for us. Like it's not going to be fair. So, and you and I kind of like you struggled with that a little bit more. I remember like um when we were raising like our kids and they were little and you were like, well, yeah, but sometimes it can be fair. And I'm like, sometimes, but most of the time it's not. And we're just going to teach them and raise them in a way that like they need to understand that it's at most of the time it's not, um, that that's just not reality. I think I fell into the whole concept of, I want to make it as fair if, if as possible for my kids. So like, if I'm, if I take one kid out for ice cream one night, then I should really take the other two out some other night. Like, because that's fair. But yeah, that was, it was kind of living in this weird world of, yeah, but it doesn't have to be. Like, why can't you take one kid out for ice cream? The other two are going to get something, you know, something else that that kid doesn't get. It's just like life is, 
it's just coming at you hundred miles an hour. It's not always going to be fair. Right. And yeah, I think you were much more in their face about it. Life is not fair. And I was kind of like, but is it, <laughs> but can't it, can't, be? Can't, can't it be, <laughs> I think that's just a little bit of different in personality. And, and sometimes, I mean, it can like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, I would never, you know, be like, Oh, you have, we have a favorite child. And so we're going to do all these things for one child and not, not try to do some of the other things for the other kids. Like, no, that's not okay either. Yeah. We would never go out of our way to make it unfair. Right. Yeah. At Christmas time, you try to spend about the same amount of money on each kid. Like you're not going to buy one kid a car and another kid, a a model car. Right. Right. I mean, it's just obvious you don't do that, but right. Right. But, you know, I mean, I think the reason it was such a big thing for me is because it's like life just isn't. And I wanted them to understand and learn how to deal with the disappointment that comes with that. Right. Like, you know, I can I you can go to school and I can get the same degree as somebody else. And we can both walk out of college with the same degree. And because this person has parents that know these people and this person and this person, they might they might land their first job and make fifty thousand dollars more than I'm going to make at my first job. That's not fair, right? Like, well, but wait a minute. I got the same degree from the same school as you, but now you get to do this because of who you know and where maybe where you live and mm-hmm. like some of that. We just we don't have control over it. And or I it didn't could just all be random, right? Like they were just in the right place at the right time, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And I just I don't think I wanted them to live their life like. And a constant state of disappointment because it can very easy turn into this constant state of disappointment. You know, I can remember when we drove into California. I mean, we knew, you know, what uh, what things are going to be like here. We had that perspective moving to Orange County, you know, what kids and families had and uh, just all the things that they kind of had at their disposal. And I remember driving in and telling our kids, like, we need you to understand that you are going to be in houses and you're going to become friends with people who have a lot more than we do. Um, like they do. Uh, and they're going to get a car on their 16th birthday and not just a used Honda Civic, you know, that's 20 years old. They're going to get a brand new Ferrari, you know, um, and they're going to live in a house that you've never seen before, something you've never seen before in your life. And you're going to be like, I cannot believe these even exist. And a lot of them are going to live in houses like that. You know, they're going to get money to spend like, it doesn't matter. They're going to get an allowance that they can do whatever they want, whenever they want. They can go take vacations. They're in Hawaii, you know, every three months. They travel abroad all the time. And that's not your life. And it's going to feel really unfair at times. Um, but it's just, it's not the life we have. It's not the life we lead. And um, we need you guys to understand that and know that it that's, it just is what it is. Like, there's nothing we can do about it, right? But um, so... So yeah, I don't know. Fairness is just a, a big issue for me. And uh, I feel like we did a decent job. I'm sure we probably could have done better. But um, but I think an important distinction that I, I want to talk about is the difference between fairness and justice. Because there is justice. Um, and there, there are times that this world uh, has made things very, very unfair. We can look at it right that way. Or things aren't, they're just not just. Um so, you know, fairness is when two people get different things, but not because one, su- and not, it's not because, but one person isn't suffering because of that, right? Like they might think they are. A three-year-old kid is going to think, well, that's <laughs> you got, not fair. You got two scoops of ice cream and I only got one. Right. I'm right. suffering. Right. Yeah. No. You know, uh, I don't even like ice cream, but why do we always go to an ice cream place? You know, um, 
Okay, great. You're right. Your life sucks. Like it's horrible that you don't get ice cream tonight. Um, that's different than justice, which justice is making sure that all people are treated equally, right? That some are not getting ahead at the expense um, of others. So, and that happens in our country a lot. It happens all over the world, but um, we see that in a lot of um, different places here. And this isn't, you know, it's not a podcast about um, justice, but um, it is one of those things to teach your kids the difference uh, because there are a lot of people in our world and in our country that that they don't they didn't have the same opportunities. They weren't given the same opportunities um, that we were given. Um, they don't have the they just weren't. And so that's completely different than, well, life isn't fair. OK, great. You know, life isn't fair because you don't get a Ferrari at 16. But that's different than like you know, you got to grow up in a neighborhood where you had opportunities different than you grew up in a neighborhood where there were no opportunities. You know, you didn't even know that opportunities existed. That wasn't something in your family chain to even understand and know like, well, how, how could I ever do that? How do I have the ability to go to college? Nobody's ever done that before in my life. And I'm in this situation where there's, I could never afford it. Like there's no, there's no way, you know what I mean? I I couldn't go get a loan. My parents could never get a loan. Like, you know, um, so just two completely different things. Um, so do your own research on that if you don't, if you're not sure, but um, definitely a very different thing. So um, so according to philstar.com, um, here's a fun little quote for you. So life is not fair as it does not as it does not give e- equal opportunities to all. But justice demands that the government treat all of its citizens as equals and provide equal opportunities for all. Um, so yeah, just a little bit um kind of of a difference there. So um, so we kind of already talked about, you know, some examples um, of our kids and fairness. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that kind of sticks out uh, for me right now and something that we still, I mean, I don't really hear them use that word fair anymore. It went away no, it's pretty- definitely trailed off. It yeah. was more when they were younger and, you know, everything, even like, that whole stereotypical thing where the kids get up on Christmas morning and they kind of like count the count the gifts to yep. make sure that they each have the same number kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. Like that definitely has trailed off and they're they're not necessarily in that frame of mind anymore. Although with a car <laughs> Yeah. Having yeah. having multiple vehicles and having the kids like, you know, kind of decide who gets to drive which car has has been an interesting I don't know that is that a fairness thing or is it just a like, well, I'm the oldest. I deserve to pick first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Allie likes to say that she likes to pull that the eldest card sometimes, um, especially when it, right now, because it's just her and Tyler in the house. So, you know, you've got the eldest and the youngest. And um, so she's like, well, I get this car because I'm the oldest and I had to drive the Civic, our 21 year old Civic. Uh, I had to drive that for my, you know, high school days. You should too. So because that's. There. <laughs> <laughs> right. Again, see? Uh, yeah. Um, I think the other, like, the one thing, I mean, there was two things that I kind of thought of. So, you know, we kind of sometimes have to remind Tyler, he doesn't use the word fair, but uh, it's kind of the same concept. We sometimes have to remind him that he is not as old as the girls are. So he forgets sometimes because our girls are only 20 months apart. Um they're both off in college now, so they have different rules and different expectations and uh, they get to do things, you know, that he doesn't get to do yet because he's 16. He's going to be a junior in high school, but he, they're all, 
they all get along so well and kind of clump themselves together that he forgets sometimes that he's not 20 years old, that he's 16, you know? Mm -hmm. And so he'll get frustrated with us because, well, Allie gets to do that. Rachel gets to do that. And then we kind of have to bring him back and remind him like, yes, they're 20 years old. But it's six in 19, but it's 16. They didn't get to stay out until whenever they wanted to stay out. Like they had a curfew. And yes, their curfew was actually the same time as your curfew, you know? So, um, so yeah, uh, so that that does kind of that does come up uh here and there still, but it kind of comes up in just a little bit of a different uh a different thing. The other way I think sometimes I wonder if fairness doesn't play out with kids is um I think in certain families, probably there can be lots of competitiveness between the kids, right? So they're competing for their parents' attention. They're competing like kind of against each other because they feel like maybe they're not seen, they're not heard, they're not loved like the other sibling is for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, And Mm. so I wonder if that fairness thing comes up because they're feeling that, you know what I mean, sometimes. And uh I, I don't know. Yeah, it can be tough when you have a kid who's really good at school and they're getting straight A's and you like you want to be you're proud of them. You want to like, you know, tell them it's great and you love it and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But then maybe you have a kid who isn't so good in school. They're good in other things. Mm-hmm. And so they can often feel like it's not fair because, you know, well, so you like you probably like them more, right? Yeah. Because they're getting straight A's. And it's like, well. No, I mean, I like that they're getting straight A's, but I like that you have this other thing that you do. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Again, another thing to just kind of roll around in your head and think about. So, okay. True. true. All right. Number three, the travel sport dilemma. So we probably could have done an entire episode on this. We'll try to keep it short since it's part of this one. But, um, you know, we've really come to understand, I think just being parents who've been through it with three kids, I think we've over time, just realized how big of a deal it is. Um, You know, we're not different than anyone else. We fell into it hook, line, and sinker, right? We struggled to find the right balance. Um, At times we did a poor job, and at other times we we had some of it figured out pretty well. Um, But we've had three kids, and each, each of them has spent a fair amount of time in a travel sport. But understand this, when we say travel sport, we're not just talking about sports, right, or athletic pursuits. For us, the term means basically anything that kids get into these days, things that basically want to own their life and drain your pocketbooks for sure. Um, You know, that can be dance, competitive dance, cheer, community theater, drama, marching bands, competitive choirs, mathletes, chess clubs, debate clubs. Um, And yes, in Orange County, California, it's education (laughs) itself. It's grades. Grades are a travel sport for most of the kids here. Um, you know, honors and AP classes and, you know, fear that you're not going to get into an Ivy League school, all of that kind of stuff. So much time and energy is put into getting good grades and, uh, you know, not just the kids, but parents, right? Helicopter parents pushing their kids like you have to get these great grades and you have to go to this great school. Um, and so, you know, I, I think we felt that a little bit in Indiana with with the the high school they went to, it's just, it, it was a blue ribbon school. It was a, mm-hmm. you know, it was a great school and, and grades were important, but this is just like on a whole different level yeah. out, out here. So I, it, I don't even know that it compares to be honest. Like it's just, yeah. it's completely different. So, so that's kind of the explanation of what we mean when we say travel sport, right? It's, it's anything that you can become part of where you're really, you know, pushing the envelope and trying to 
make it your main thing in life. Um, but there are there are pros and there are cons, right? So we'll talk about a few of these things and then um, kind of move into some other conversations. But according to VeryWellFamily.com, um, they list some some pros and cons, and these are more related to athletics. So you know, sport, actual sports. Um, so pros: developing new skills, enhancing family bonding, improved access to expert coaches, reduces boredom. So, you know, things like that. There are there are positives that your kid mm-hmm. can get out of a travel sport. Um, the cons, very expensive, uh, increased risk for injury, potential for burnout, and very time-consuming. So, like I said, that just kind of sets the table, right? That's just a high-level list of pros and cons, but there are so many things missing from this list, not just on one side, but on both sides of the coin. So... So let's just talk through that kind of with each of our kids. Mm -hmm. So um, starting with Allie. So Allie is our oldest and she was, I mean, she tried lots of different things, but I mean, very early on, it was soccer. Like that was the thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think we just got her into that as, you know, oh, let's try this, something to do. Um, And so she, you know, I mean, we just started out in little like community, right? Like little community programs or whatever. Mm. Um, which was great. I am a total proponent of um, letting your kids have opportunities if, if they can. And again, this is another place where, you know, some people have those opportunities and some places, you know, don't. Um, and that's, you know, where the fairness and justice thing comes in. But um, but we were able to give our kids those opportunities. And, you know, so we did. Uh, and she quickly moved from doing that, you know, she ended up on her little rec team that she was on playing just community team. She ended on up on this team of other players and some dads who coached who had older kids who their kids had done some uh, travel stuff. And so they kind of had a pretty clear goal is we're going to take a group of girls and we're going to move them into travel. Um, And Allie was on that team and she did, you know, she was good at that age. And, uh, so they asked, you know, Hey, would you be interested in kind of doing this? And my brother played, uh, travel soccer, um, growing up. I never did any sort of travel sports, but I just, you know, I swam in high school, but it was no big, it was just a high school sport. Right. But my brother did that, but I was out of the house for most of that. So like, I knew it was happening and going on and I knew my parents were gone a lot and they were traveling all over for tournaments and, things like that. But I wasn't like in the middle of it because I just wasn't living there. So, um, so yeah, so we kind of got her into that and, um, you know, it was great. She loved it for a really long time. And Mm -hmm. there, there were, um, there were lots of pros to it. Um, you know, it was like, you know, Daryl had talked about before that one of the things is that there's kind of bonding family bonding time in there, you know, we would travel for tournaments or travel for games. And it was something we did as a family, there was never really I mean, our kids were little at that time. So there was never the opportunity for oh, no, they're want somebody's going to stay back most of the time it we did it all together, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure our younger kids might look back on some of those and be like, Oh, my gosh, that was the worst thing ever, because I'm sitting on a soccer field all weekend watching soccer that I don't really care about. Um, but we did, we did it. We had fun with it. Um, you know, we would try to do little adventures, you know, here and there with it that we were always at a hotel where they could swim. Um, you know, we always hung out with other families and most of the other families had kids. And so there would be this like time where the, uh, the younger kids would all play together and they would kind of make friendships and they'd get to know other kids on the sidelines. Um, yeah. So, it was, I mean, we, we had a good time with it. Um, and then we kind of started, I mean, now looking back, 
it's it's hard to really know, but I think we kind of started pushing her, like, you know, like, oh, well, you yeah, seem to be comes, good at this. Here comes the helicopter parent. Piece. Right, right. Like, yeah. You seem to be good at this. And um, we kind of see some potential in you. And at that point, she really, really did love it. Like, you know, I yeah. mean, she was writing her number on her hand. She was buying necklaces with her soccer number on it. Um, I mean, you know, she just she seemed to be all about it. And so we kind of started adding some things onto her plate like, oh, well, you know, why don't you try and do this Olympic development program? Because some of the girls, again, were doing it. And Allie seemed really, really interested and like it's something she wanted to pursue. But looking back now, like pretty quickly into that process, it became something she really didn't like the ODP stuff she didn't enjoy. Like if I look back now and think about like she did for some of it, but then it pretty quickly kind of turned into a like, Ugh, I have to go do this again. Like I have to go do this training. And for her, I think it was because it like she was constantly being evaluated when she was there and it, oh, yeah. it took all the fun out of it, you know, like, right. Yeah. The travel, the travel, the club team was fun because her friends were there. Mm-hmm. And even though the coaches had pretty high expectations and they kind of pushed them, it was okay because they were all having fun. They were friends with ODP. You're like with all of these other kids from around the state. And they're all coming from different club teams. They're all really good. And they're all like there for one purpose, which is to be better than you. Mm-hmm. And I think she started to feel that stress and that pressure. And yeah, the people are walking around with clipboards, literally evaluating everything you do while you're there. So yeah. I think that, I think that kind of, we, I mean, we just thought it would be helpful, but I think on some level it, it just added to burnout for her probably. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we probably stopped, right? Daryl said it exactly right. Like this is where our helicopter parenting probably came in the most was we stopped noticing, like we just, we kept moving her forward, moving her forward because at one point she had said like, yeah, I think I want to do this in college. She probably said that as like a junior higher um, or maybe even, you know, like sometime in junior high, she kind of said that. And so we just were like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're moving her down this path. We started adding all this thing, these things into her life. Um, and I, I think we stopped paying attention in the way that we probably should have to like, is she having fun with this? Is she still enjoying this? Like, is this a good experience for her? Does she really, what, has she formed other interests in there that she's not getting to do right now because this is taking so much of her time? I mean, it becomes your life. Like it becomes, she's going to practice every, you know, met, several times a week. You're traveling on the weekends. You're spending an exorbitant amount of monies on club fees on traveling, on hotel hotel stays. And we were even doing it at like a semi-low level. I mean, when I think about it now and I think about these families and these kids that are traveling all over the United States, you know what I mean? They're, they're not just traveling locally. Like, okay, we might travel three hours away or four hours away. No, they're getting on airplanes and they're traveling from the West Coast to the East Coast or down South or, you know what I mean? I, I mean, it's just yeah, like- Yeah, and a lot of it was changing too. When we left, when we left Indiana- things had changed a lot that year. And there were a lot of kids on her team who decided to leave and become members of teams down in Indianapolis because Mm -hmm. they had higher level players and there was more exposure. And so, you know, those families were driving their kids to practice three hours a day, like three hours. Well, they they weren't going every day, but maybe a couple times a week, week. three times a week. They were driving three hours both ways down to Indianapolis in order for their kids to be part of these teams. So... Yeah, there was definitely, it just kept ramping up more and more. Yeah. And I, yeah, like I said, I just don't think we paid attention to her burnout and that eventually happened. And so, 
you know, it was, um, I think a, a little surprising to both of us when it kind of came, it came in high school, um, where she just was like, I'm done. This is not fun for me anymore. She was a little frustrated with us. Um, I think in the moment, because she felt like we were pushing and it had, it had kind of turned into like, well, this is something we wanted for her life. And we had forgotten to stop and ask, continue to ask, is this something you want for your life? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, you had told us you wanted this for your life three, four or five years ago, but we quit asking, is this something you still want? Is this something you're, I mean, you're still interested in? Is this something you still think you want to do? We just assumed. And so we just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And she just was like, I am done. And I don't know why you guys push and you don't understand. And um, it kind of was like a, a, whoa, that moment to kind of step back and realize like, wow, we were, we were kind of hovering. We were pushing at her. We weren't really listening. We weren't paying attention. We weren't. We weren't watching the cues probably super well either. Yeah, when we look when we look back now, we can see where she she loves being involved in a variety of different things. Yeah. So, looking back now, we can see how she was trying to get involved in these different things at school and with church, and without fail, like there would be a tournament or something that would require yeah. her to miss out on a camp or miss out on a a training or, or, or an opportunity through school. And so there were a lot of things that she, I mean, she made the decision, but I think she made it out of fear that, that we were going to be mad. Yep. So she did the soccer stuff because she, I think thought that it was what we wanted her to do. Yeah. Um, and so I think if we had have seen those things adding up over time and realized that, you know, she's having to give up a lot of things in order to do this mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe we would have seen it coming, but yeah. And that stinks to like sit back for me at least and think about like that, you know, that your kid doesn't want to disappoint you. I mean, you know, we all, I mean, I don't, maybe we don't all, but I mean, I was like that too. I remember thinking back and like, I didn't want to disappoint my parents, but it was bigger things for me, like bigger things that would have bigger like impacts on life. It wasn't about like, cause like I said, I didn't do travel stuff, but like, it just kind of breaks my heart a little bit to think that she, she just thought like, oh, my parents maybe aren't going to love me the same if I tell them that I don't want to do this anymore. I'm like, it's a sport. I like ultimately, like, I don't care. Like, you know what I mean? Um, but then we also looked back and we're like, wow, we spent a lot of money. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, that's the drawback right. as, a, as a helicopter parent, yeah. putting in the time, the money, the energy, yeah. you know, yeah. all the research on, you know, what kind of practice should my kid be doing and all these different things. Right. Yeah. Because at some point they have to start leading that. Right. Like if yeah. the like they've got to become invested enough that they're the ones asking, they're the ones pushing, they're the ones like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to get involved in this. And when I think that's probably where when that stops happening, that's probably a good time to like look at them and like and just have a good conversation and say, like, OK, where are you really at? You mm -hmm. know, like, what do you are, do you still want this? Are you still interested in this? Like or not? And if not. That's amazing. We still love you. It doesn't change a single thing, you know, but um, yeah, another. So I told you guys earlier that I would tell you about like a real fun helicopter parenting experience. That was me. It was me helicopter parenting um, during sports. And it was Allie specifically and club soccer. We were playing in a game in, on, in another town and a town that we kind of still laugh about that was kind of known for their soccer, they, the players just what we called would play dirty. So they just were very, very physical. Um, just, yeah, just play dirty. And so we're at this game and that's what's happening. The girls are just being very, very aggressive and just doing things that weren't okay. And I was losing my ever loving mind. So um, I was yelling. 
I was yelling at the other kids, which now mortifies me to think that I did that. I don't know. It just like, I literally was losing my mind. And, um, you know, some of you may not know me, those of you who do know that I have a voice that carries, um, it doesn't, I don't have to talk very loud and you can hear me. Um, and when I do decide to talk loud, you can really hear me. So the coaches who were standing across the soccer field, right. So, um, heard me and yelled at me and told me to stop. Um, and so I was like, wow, that's more, a little mortifying, um, to be called out like that in front of everybody. So that was like, I was like, okay, I got to calm down. But then it was Allie who at some point said to me, like, I think it was after that game, like, mom, I don't want to hear your voice ever again. So like, I just don't want to hear you. I don't, it's frustrating. It's irritating. You're not my coach. It doesn't like, I don't want to hear you. So just be quiet. And, you know, some parents could look at that and be like, oh, they're being disrespectful. But no, like she was mortified on the sideline and she had every reason to be mortified. There was no reason for me to be acting like that. Like this, this is her team. This is her having fun. That's her purpose to be out there. Me screaming and yelling does not help a thing. It actually hinders everything. So um, that was like a really great, (laughs) fine helicopter parenting moment there that I learned from. And to be honest, I shut up from that point forward. Um, and I told that story to many a parents, um, because I think sometimes their kids were just too afraid to say it to them. Um, you know, so I would just tell the story about, oh yeah, this one time Allie just kind of called me out and told me she didn't want to hear me and that, you know, it wasn't me playing soccer. It was her playing soccer. And, um, and I, I hoped it helped some parents to see kind of what they, they did, because I can't tell you how many, how many kids we would sit and watch in all of our years. I mean, we've had, she played, Tyler played, Rachel played for a very short amount of time, but how many parent kids I would sit and watch on the soccer field as their parents were screaming their heads off at them or at the coaches or things like that. And the kids just had this defeated look on their face. Like I can't do anything right. All you do is scream and yell at me. Um, you're telling me to do something like you talked about earlier, hun, like that my coach is telling me not to do and you're telling me to do it. And who am I supposed to listen to? Like it just causes utter chaos. And like, I just like my heart breaks for the kids now because I'm like, this should be fun. Like you should be sitting on the sidelines, cheering them on. And if you don't have anything positive, say like, just be quiet. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah, I don't know. So that great helicopter parenting moment, um, during, uh, travel sports, but so, yeah, so that's Allie. Um, Rach, I'm going to talk a little bit about Rachel and I mean, she didn't really do this. We figured out pretty quick with her that the sports thing. Um, yeah, just because, because she was in soccer for a little while and because Allie was on a club, a club team. I mean, the coaches were pretty quick to get Rachel on a team and, and kind of see what she could do. And it was very evident the first year that it just wasn't going to be a fit. The coaches, one of the coaches literally came to our house one night, sat us down and was like, okay, so it's been fun having Rachel on the team, but we're just not sure it's her thing. You know, she, maybe she could keep coming and practicing with us, but you know, you know, maybe she should kind of look at doing something else or kind of going down, down a level or something like that. And so that's when we realized pretty quickly that, you know, we were we were just funneling her into the same thing as as Allie because because we had the contacts and we you know we had had her playing a little bit on on a lower team before um, and we just assumed oh maybe she'll blossom maybe she'll maybe she'll get into it and she never did which is good because she has so many other mm-hmm. oh, so many other things that she wanted to do with her life so 
Yeah. Yeah. But we did go down. I mean, we did go down the road of competitive cheer with her. Oh, that was something like, um, you know, so, but it didn't, I mean, she did this competitive cheer in elementary school, right? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, upper elementary school, got on this competitive cheer team. We drove places, all the costumes, all the makeup, all the things. Right. And then, uh, she goes to try out for the junior high cheer team, uh, and doesn't make it. Uh, so talk about heartbreak, uh, which it all ended up working out. I mean, she was heartbroken because here she had done that. So we had like gone down this road with her. She had done this competitive cheer, all this stuff. And then she doesn't make the junior high cheer team, but one of her friends who had done none of that does, you know? So again, you think about the money, the time, the travel, all of that spent, But I mean, the beautiful thing about it, it all ended up working out, but because she ended up then doing some dance stuff with this dance company that was just very local. There was no traveling associated with it. It was just, she went to dance classes and she got moved up a bunch of levels and they wanted her working at a different level because they saw the talent and the abilities in her. And I think that's kind of what led her into her acting and let her find like her little niche area. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, I mean, with her, I think we probably maybe learned um, a little something with Allie in it uh, and with Tyler, because Tyler was in the throes of all of this too at that point. Like even as she got into her musical theater stuff and her acting, like it is never something that we did with her, like where we sent her across the country to do things, right? Like she didn't go to these big expensive camps where she was in New York all summer doing these big things. You know, we just, she did everything very locally. Um, So she got in, I mean, she did do, you know, she did school theater in high school and then she had her community theater that she did, but it's because she loved it and she wanted to do it. She, I mean, we, I had to tell her, so we came to California her freshman year She found a community theater program in the summer when we moved and went to it and got involved in it and loved it and did no school theater her freshman year of high school because she loved her community theater program so much um, that she just was like, nope, I'm good. I don't I don't need to do high school theater. I'm going to do this instead. And, uh, you know, of course, we moved and all that. And she struggled to find friends freshman year or found a group of friends, but realized very quickly they were not the friends that she wanted to keep. And so I had to make her do her high school theater, her sophomore year. I'm like, you are going to try it. Like, I understand you love your community theater, but you're going to try high school theater because like, this is your, you want to be involved in something in your high school. Right. Um, And then she did it and loved it. And that's where her friends came from and it ended up working out, but it was all very local, like high school theater and her community theater, like in, you know, 15, 20 minutes away from us. Like, um, Mm -hmm. so I think with her, we learned a little and didn't push as hard um, and some of that, which was good. So true. What about Ty? Oh, Ty was, we so learned Tyler, some things with him. Yeah. I mean, he, he got right into the club soccer thing as well, just because, you know, we were in that club and, and he seemed to enjoy soccer. So it was, wasn't a stretch to get him into that. Um, but then just because he was athletic and, and wanted to try everything, I mean, he went through hockey, baseball, um, you know, even I think he even tried lacrosse for a summer or something like that. But yeah, lots of different club sports, lots of different um, uh, just the level of play that that happens at that age for boys is just insane. You know, and then you yeah. try to do not only soccer, but we were trying to do travel hockey where we were driving into Chicago yeah. every weekend for games. Um you know, and things like that. And, 
you know, at that age, they're already club sports are already trying to get kids to just pick one and, and stick with it. So they, you have each of these different sports trying to get your kid to do that full time. And yet, you know, you just want your kid to have this experience where they can play lots of different things. And so we struggled with that for quite a few years, but yeah, I mean, for a while he was doing all of it, like, mm. right. Well, the worst was when he, the one year when he was doing club soccer, club hockey and club baseball, right? right? Yeah. All three traveling and, you know, they, they kind of are spread out over the years. So it's like, oh yeah, we, we can make it work. But there was so much oh, overlap, even, yeah. you know, even in the practice schedules that it just, it was ridiculous. And so that, that was only one year. And then we got out of baseball pretty yeah. quick. Yeah. And then we moved to California and made him pick, you know? So, I, I mean, I think what we can say in all of that is that we've just learned along the way, right? Like, uh, and for some people it all, it all works out and it's great. And, you know, your kid does travel sports and they end up playing in college and you feel like it was completely worth it. Um, and that's amazing. And it's great because every kid is completely different. Um, it's completely different in that. But I think what I would walk away in all of it, cause we're learning this with Tyler. I mean, the conversations we're having with him now, right. About like, we literally just had a conversation yesterday cause he's playing high school football right now and is kicking and has been successful. I mean, he literally didn't do any kicking his freshman year and they put him as kicker his sophomore year in the middle of COVID with a very abbreviated season, um, really him having no training and he picked it up and actually did really well with it. Um, and so, but it's the whole conversations with him about, is this something you want to do? And I think before us, before the helicopter ish us would have just been like, this is what you're going to do. And we're going to get you personal coaches and trainers, and you're going to be doing this 12 hours a day. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going a little overboard here. Right. But like, we would have been pushing that direction. Right. Right. And I think now what we've learned is like, just, just walk with them in it, take their steps as they take steps and just have conversations and question, you know? So we're asking him like, what do you think? Like, what, what interests you? What do you want to do? Like, because ultimately it is him who has to choose it. It is him who has to put in the time and energy. Like we can support and we can guide and we can provide the finances right now to do that. But if he ultimately doesn't want to do it, then as a parent, we need to step back and be like, okay, great. This has nothing to do with us. Does it, right? It it's doesn't, my worth is not wrapped up in what my kids choose to do. Like not wrapped up in it at all. And I think that's where it gets confusing for parents because I think they get so wrapped up in it that it becomes who they are, right? Instead of like what their kids really want out of it. So I don't know, hon, I think like, feel like we've done a decent job figuring it out as we've gone, but we definitely, we definitely made some mistakes along the way. So yeah, we definitely view it much more rationally now than yeah. we did at the beginning. So, yeah. And that's just part of the learning process, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So number four, finding balance, finding your balance. So really quickly, back to the article from parents.com. Farther down in the article, they had a section called the effects of helicopter parenting. So they just threw out five things, um, you know, that kids may experience based on parents being overly involved in their lives. Um, and so the five are decreased confidence and self-esteem. Um, number two, undeveloped coping skills. Three, increased anxiety. Four, sense of entitlement. And five, underdeveloped life skills. So, ouch. You know, those are just difficult things to think of when you when you look back and look at times when you may have been a little over the top with your kids or, you know, helicopter parented them. Um, it's scary to think that, you know, by us doing, 
you know, what we think is going to help them and protect them, you know, we can actually develop some of those negative, um, negative things in them moving forward too. So it makes you ask, right? How did I parent? Was I over-involved? If so, you know, in what areas did my behavior cause some of those difficulties that we've seen in our kids and the different things that our kids have experienced? Um, and if so, can I fix the damage? Like, you know, whatever I did, did I do something that, that did some damage? And if so, what can I do to, to help fix that? Um, so yeah, what's next, right? What can we do to find balance in each of the areas that we talked about? Helicopter parenting, the fairness issue, the travel sports issue. Um, you know, for those of you who have kids who are still in your house, what can you do right now? Um, for those of you who have adult children who've already, you know, we've already kind of been there, done that, you know, what can we do to, to help walk with them through some of the damage, if any, that, that had been done? So it's a pretty difficult question to answer, but um, I think there's some pretty simple things we can do um, to just help them kind of balance out. Yeah. I mean, the balance is a good thing. Balance is it's a good thing in every area of life. We all we all it's something I think we can all struggle with. Uh, but when you can find balance in most areas of your life, it kind of it kind of levels the playing field. Right. And it evens things out in general. Right. Um, so. So here's just some ways that we came up with, not an exhaustive list, just some of our thoughts on some ways to find balance. So um, allow your kids to make mistakes and actually feel the consequences. My theory on this is I want them to make mistakes while they're still in my house um, because I then we can help walk them walk through those mistakes. We can help show them that this isn't the, the end, that life doesn't end here because of this mistake. We can help them see their worth and help them walk to find out what's next. But if you don't ever let them fail in your house, they're going to fail, you guys. It's going to happen. I promise. Like, mm -hmm. And I it saddens me to think that there might be kids out there that have never got to experience that and walk through it, but then go out into adulthood and fail and then kind of are just left like floundering. Like now yeah, what do I, I do? I don't know what to do. Right. I don't, I don't know what the consequences. And that might mean they fail a test. Oh, well, it's not your test. It's not your grade. I mean, I have to tell myself that often. Right. Daryl and I have had this conversation um, often about like, you know, with our kids um, and their grades or their things like that um, or their projects or their papers. I'm not... I am not writing a paper for my kid. I will help them edit it. I will give them ideas and suggestions, but I will never write a paper for my kid because it's not my grade. I've, and I tell them, I'm like, dude, I did that. I've, I've already gone to high school and graduated. I went to college. I got a degree. I'm done. Like I've done my time. Your turn. Uh, ding, it's on you. Um, so, but then in that, I have to be willing to be like, oh, well, they failed. Like not, it doesn't mean that I'm a bad parent because they failed. Like, that's their mistake. And they're going to learn from those. There's going to be a consequence and they're going to learn. So, um, so that's one thing. Stop worrying about your kids' failures. Like, like kind of, I was talking about, right. Their poor behavior that it's going to look bad on you as a parent. It is not about you. Like ultimately, if you can step back, um, and think about the fact that like, this has nothing to do with you, right? Your kid's success is, has nothing to do with you being a great parent. So, we think that because we want to look good. I mean, how often do you have a conversation with another parent and, you know, all you want to do is talk about all the great things your kids are doing, right? Do you, unless you're really, really close to somebody, do you sit and talk to just an acquaintance about all the horrible things your kids are doing? No, 
because all the things they failed at. Right. Because it makes us look bad. Like we think it's a direct reflection of us. Guys, they're like, even though like you may have birthed them or maybe you didn't, like maybe they're adopted, but it still doesn't matter. Like it is, it's their choices and you can guide and you can direct and you can walk with, and you should, please do not hear me say that like, oh, you just need to take a hands-off approach. Absolutely not. But ultimately, it has nothing to do with you. It's not dependent on you being a good or a bad person or you being a success or you being a failure. Like, you've done it. You've walked your, your, you've done your things. You've gone to school. You've done your sports things. Like, now it's time for you to back off and let them be the people that they were created to be. So, um, so listen to understand and not to solve their problems. Um, sometimes they don't want their problem solved. And sometimes I think they get really frustrated because that's where we can tend to go. And so they'll just not talk to us because like all you want to do is try to solve it. Uh, I mean, how often does that even happen in marriage, right? Where you're like, I don't need you to solve my problem today. I just want you to listen to me. So um, same thing for our kids. Teach your kids that life isn't fair and that it doesn't need to be. It's not going to be um, even as hard as we try. Teach them that when life is difficult, that's often when you make the most growth and you progress the most. Um, was just having a conversation with one of our kids or somebody about this the other day about like, it's in the valleys of life where we grow. Wouldn't it be really, really nice if it was in the mountaintops and those high points where like you learned all your great lessons and like life could just be good all the time and you learned. But guys, stop and think. Like it's in, it's down when things are hard and rough where we figure out who we really are and what we have in us and what we need to do to make it better the next time, right? So your kids need that same thing. They've got to learn those same things. Um, and then when it comes to travel sports, figure out things in community leagues. Not every kid is going to play travel sports. Not every kid should play travel sports. Not every kid wants to play travel sports. Um, so just let them have fun in community leagues. It's a lot less time. It's a lot less money. Um, and if they really do well and like they're like top notch and they're like progressing and they are pushing at you to do more than have that conversation. But also in that, let them try lots of different things. Don't pigeonhole them into one thing. Um, you know, give them the opportunity to try art and to try dance and to try sports and to try whatever it is to try STEM programs and I'm even going to say in this, like, dude, drop the gender out of it. Like, let let a girl try the same things you're going to let your boy try. And let a boy, if they want to try dance, dude, let them try dance. Like, who, ca- like mm-hmm. who cares? You understand that there's boys out there, there's men out there that are dancing and making way more money than I'm making right now. So way more successful than I would call myself. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, there is that. So don't let them sit around and do nothing though. Um, we're big proponents of like, you're not going to just come home after school and watch TV. It's not going to happen in our house. You've got to be doing something. I don't care what it is. doesn't matter to me, but you're going to do something. Um, we taught that our kids to finish what they start. So they didn't get to start a season. Um, and then, and quit in the middle of it, but at the same time, allow them to stop when they decide that they're done. So they finish out a season, but at the end of the season, they're like, I'm done. Okay, great. You're done. You you gave a commitment to your coach and to your team when the season started or whatever, but now you're done. You're done. And don't be like, oh, you know, I mean, sometimes you're going to push because maybe there's something big going on in their life that you think is pulling them away. But ultimately it needs to be a decision that they make, right? Like um, it's, it's up to them. So Um, And when you make the transition into travel sports, align your schedule to your values. 
Um, this is difficult. It is, uh, it is so difficult um, because travel sports, it wants to define your schedule and it wants to, to um, define your values, but it can be done. Um, I've heard stories of families with kids that one of their values is that they will be in church on Sundays. They just will. Um, and so that means if their kid misses a game on a Sunday morning, their kid misses a game on a Sunday morning. And, you know, as hard and as like crazy as that was at times, the story that I heard about this happening, the kid was like, I still went off to college and played college ball. But my parents were diligent about the fact that like, this is what we did and we didn't miss because of sports. And he's like, it worked, you know? So like, sometimes you just have to make those hard, difficult decisions. Um, so it's dangerous to make one thing the only thing, right, in travel sports. So I think you'll hear most coaches say that most coaches like kids who, um, they have the ability to do several different things because it just makes makes them better athletes. Or even if it's dance or cheer or something academic, if if their brains can work in different ways, it just makes them better all around, right? We want them to be better all around human beings. So um, don't- yeah, I think that's, that was our issue with Allie too. Is yeah. it, was, it was, everything was focused on soccer. Yeah. And so like that kind of got a little too much over, over time. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't fall for the lie that pushing your kid hard enough um, and getting them personal training equals college scholarships. Um, it may. Biggest myth ever. But it probably will not. Yeah. Um, I mean, so out of Allie's entire travel soccer team that she played with for the, that were her friends that she played with for the longest time, there are, I think, only two girls that are playing college sport, playing college, college level. One is playing at Division One, which is amazing. Um, she's a great athlete um, and she just, I mean, yeah, so just take that for what it is, uh, two of them. So um, understand that travel sports is a big business. It's a money-making machine, you guys. Like just if you step back and look at it, it doesn't take long to figure it out. Like they're there to make money. That's all they care about. They, If you want your kid to play travel sports, they will find a place for your kid to play travel sports. Yeah, They'll just they put just, them in a lower level. And they just keep adding teams yep. at lower levels to keep the yep. kids involved, making them making the money off yep. of them. So. Yep, yep. Um, don't make your thing their thing. Understand when you are overcompensating for opportunities you wish you had at their age. You are not them. They are not you. You already had your time. You did your thing. Let your thing drop and let them be who they were created to be. Um, if they're done, if they're done, they're done. And you have to find a way to be supportive of that. Um, so chances are it's going to be a really big loss for you. Um, it's going to be hard. You've probably made friends in that, right? Like, um, other parents, yeah. Like, other parents. Lifestyle, yeah. It, yeah. It's hard. Like, you're like, what? I don't like, what, what are we going to do with our weekends now? I promise you'll find <laughs> things to do with your weekends. Um, okay. one thing I want to add in here, and I meant to mention this story and I'm going to make it quick. Cause I know we have, we're like long on time here. Um, it's good stuff, but so when we talk about helicopter parenting and we talk about like our kids being responsible for things, one of the beautiful ways that I have uh, seen that this, the whole concept and you're not really allowed to be a helicopter parent and it kind of takes it even out of the equation is Tyler's football coach for Portola high school. Um, so his football coach is a big proponent and he'll tell parents at the very beginning, like you're not to come talk to me. So it starts with your kid. If your kid has a problem, um, you should not, I should not hear from you as a parent first. I need to hear from your kid. So your kid needs to come to me. They need to come to me and we need to have the conversation. If they don't get what they need out of that, then it goes from there. But it always, he is like adamant on, I'm not going to answer you. I'm going to answer your kid. 
So I don't email him unless it's like something that just has to do with like, you know, a parent responsibility, right? But I have never once emailed him um, about Tyler before Tyler has spoken to him about something. So I would like, I'm not going to go to him and be like, why didn't you play my kid? He's like, I'm not going to answer it. I'm going to literally leave you unanswered. That's a question your kid needs to come and ask me. And I will have that conversation with them. And then if they come back to you and you don't feel like you got a good response, then I'll have a conversation with you. But you're also not going to go straight to the principal either or the athletic director. Like there is a chain of command and it starts with your kid starting that conversation. And I love that because it's teaching them that in real life too, right? It's teaching that when they get their job, you're not going to go straight to the CEO of the company when you're working as the janitor. Like that's ain't going to happen. Like, right? You've got direct reports. So that's like to me, like he has set that up so that the helicopter parents have to like go fly your helicopter someplace else for a while. So. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. All right. Well, let's land the plane. So this week, obviously, we've talked about a number of things. So we'd love for you to think about those things this week. Um, based on you know our description of what a helicopter parent is, where do you think you fall? What are some things that you think you can do this week um, to kind of work on that? Um, two, is it fair? Like we talked about that. Is that a huge value in your house? If so, what would it look like to start teaching your child the cold, hard truth that life isn't always fair? Uh, three, do you have kids in travel sports? If so, um, do some serious thinking about your involvement and your goals. Be willing to support your kids' goals versus defining, defining the goals for them. Um, and then finally, um, are you parenting with a balanced approach or do you find yourself you know, a little lopsided much of the time? So this week, try tipping the scale kind of in the area where it's obvious that you're a little out of whack um, and then sit down with your spouse um, and really, you know, check in and, and see what you guys can do together to help make things better. Um, your spouse will probably <laughs> see your lack of balance better than you do. So that's why it's good to have that conversation. Um, and then the same is true. You'll probably see theirs better than they can see theirs as well. So work together on defining the win for your family. And that does it. That, like you said, that's a long episode. Um, we went a little bit over this time. Lots of stories when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, a lot of it hits really close to home for us. So um, next week, we're going to go a little light and talk about making memories. So one of the most important pieces of parenting, I think, um, that we'll have a good time talking about next week. So at the end of the day, it's what family is all about, right? Shared experiences, shared values, and good days to look back on. So until then, have a great week, sell that whirly bird, and keep transcending human. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com, where you'll find additional content as well as ways to contact us and links to our social media channels. Thanks again for subscribing to the show, and we'll see you again real soon.